Multnomah County has a rare contested race for a judge position. Filling the seat of Judge Gregory Silver, six candidates are on your ballot vying for the role. Today we have John Schlosser, a candidate for Multnomah County Circuit Court Judge. John has over a decade of experience as a criminal defense attorney and is here on the show to tell us more. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, good morning. Thank you. So tell us. Tell us a bit about yourself and why you're running for circuit court judge. Oh, excuse me. Um, oops, I'm sorry about that. Um, I, I didn't want to be an attorney. Uh, it's probably the last thing on my mind for most of uh, for a good chunk of my life. Um, I just kind of fell into it by accident, so to speak. And when I did, I thought I was going to be a, a environmental lawyer. I was a marine biologist before mm-hmm. law school, and um, but I, I realized pretty quickly that I didn't want to be stuck in a in a, an office or a cubicle. I, I like people, and I like helping people. I was pretty quickly drawn to criminal defense and well, criminal law. I should say I wanted to be a prosecutor first, but um, uh, it there's just a a human aspect of being able to help people that you don't get to do with a lot of careers. Um, and I had a mentor in law school who was a judge and, um, he had been a prosecutor before. And, and the one thing, he, biggest thing parted on me is that how much he, um, how many more people he felt like he could help as a judge. Mm-hmm. And so at least when I think back to, uh, on my legal career, I guess I kind of wanted to be a judge pretty much from uh, the time I was in law school. Um, although I hadn't really thought about it. Um, it was maybe always in the back of my mind, but I hadn't really thought about actively doing a lot about it until more recently. Um, I think all of us, have, all the candidates have probably put in for an appointment to the governor um, at least once. But I had promised myself that if a seat ever came open uh, for an election, that uh, I would I would uh, go for it. And here you are running right. <laughs> running for running for judge. Um, what's at stake in this circuit court election? Well, I guess my answer now is going to be probably different than it would have been. A couple of months ago, um, the with COVID nineteen back in, that were essentially shutting down the criminal court. Um, it um, there is in the next well, whenever the court opens really opens back up for business, there's going to be just a flood of cases, civil as well, obviously, but court court can and, and has been trying to do as much of that possible uh, via phone and, and keeping still cases going. But the criminal cases are just, it's going to be massive. Um, they, most, a lot of people are just getting citations. They're not getting arraigned, and so they're not getting appointed an attorney. Um, and so their cases can't proceed. Nothing can really happen on them until they get arraigned. So we're going to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of case, criminal cases coming through the court. And um, uh, so, uh, I think one of the things at stake is 
sure that we have a judge on the bench that has experience handling those kind of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, doing so with as little learning curve as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and we need a judge who um, wants and is uh, ready and willing to advocate for and try to expand the um, alternative courts that we have, the drug courts, mental health courts, courts, things like that. Um, those, uh, those programs help reduce recidivism and in many cases can uh, result in people not ending up with convictions that weigh them down throughout their life and there are ways that we can do more. And uh, so I think those are the two biggest things that um, at stake in this, in this uh, uh, bench election. Yeah. I have gotten the chance to look at lots of candidate websites over the last few months. Um, and from your website, one of the things that caught my eye is a statement that, is, that says that you will bring trust back to justice. What does that mean? Well, the I think what representing my clients, one of the biggest things I hear from them if they've been through the system, well, even if they haven't, is just a general distrust for the court. Um, you know, one thing that, is that they don't understand how it works, I suppose, but a lot of them feel like they haven't been listened to or treated fairly. Um, and uh, I have the ability to do that um, I've done it my whole career um, and um, and I've done it not only as a defense attorney but a crime victim um, myself and um, I'm, it, I've always been able to um, not just empathize but have some passion for um, my clients and you know it's not just about saying oh yeah I I, I see that you feel bad. I, I, that's, that's terrible. But it's being able to actually suffer alongside your client or the person in front of you um, to try to get to the root of the problem, whatever led the person there in the first place. Now, that might not have been their fault. Right? It could have been a mistake by law enforcement or um, an angry person trying to get the, you know back at somebody. But, you know, there are Obviously, there are people who, you know, come to the court before the criminal court for a good reason, uh, and it's important that uh, a judge um, try to earn the trust, if they can, of the person that's sitting in front of them, um, because I do believe that the judges in Multnomah County um, want the, the criminal defendants there before them to. Uh, to succeed in life, um, and I know that that's that's key and key for me. Mm. When you think back on your career and the cases that you've that you've represented, what proportion do you feel had fair a fair treatment in the justice system? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. That's just a really awful loaded question. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, 
not as many as I would like. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Uh, and I and I say that from the standpoint that um, I've had plenty of clients who um, um, did not. Um, well, let's see. I, like where I thought that the case was great, we're going to trial, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, we need to take this to trial. You're not, you're not guilty, or they can't prove their case. But the, but the state has so much leverage that um, by overcharging or whatever the case may be, um, that the client felt like they didn't really have any choice but to take a plea to something to minimize their, you know, their exposure, and. Um, I I don't consider that being treated fairly, and that happens way more than I'd like. Yeah, and how can that change if you were to get the judge position? So if you feel like as an attorney that you know you're bringing clients to to a to a case and and the system isn't treating that case fairly or justice was not served in a particular case, how can you shift that? How can you have more power or influence to create change as a judge? You can't. Okay. And not not in the scenario that I was talking about. I mean, that's the that's the interplay between the DAs uh, and the and the defense attorneys and the state and the and the court defendant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, really, the only um, the only ability the court has to affect that is that they, the court doesn't have to follow a plea recommendation, a plea offer, mm-hmm. and so at sentencing they could sentence the person to something else, but um, that doesn't happen too often, and there's generally good reasons for that. Um, um, where the a judge has the most ability, well, besides, you know, hopefully having enough actual jury trial experience to um, be able to do a good job in um, um, making. Um, evidentiary rulings and trials, um, the, the judges you know, have the ability to affect the system after, well, in a criminal case at least, after sentencing, um, whether a person's on probation or, or whatever the case may be. In, in a lot of situations, that's where um, judges in the treatment courts uh, mm-hmm. get to have the biggest impact on people. Um, so for so for our listeners who might not be in the who might not be lawyers or judges or in the legal system, what what are your recommendations for creating change by pushing from the outside? Obviously, you're trying to create change and reform from the inside, case by case. You're stepping in to be an elected official as a candidate for the circuit court. What what do, from what from your experience and what you see on a day to day basis? What is your call to action for listeners? to create a fairer justice system? How do we push on it from the outside? Sure. Um, so the biggest thing I can advocate for is what's called restorative justice. Mm. I believe that's where the where the justice system needs to head. Um, and that means that, that that requires community involvement. Right? The whole point of restorative justice, it, it, it's broader than just... Um, uh, helping to rehabilitate or reduce recidivism in defendants is to help the community heal. And um, that is 
one thing that I have really just tried to focus on throughout this campaign, I don't really hear uh, people talking about other candidates or for other 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 types of positions. Well, that's not true. I guess it was just a restorative justice forum uh, for the DA candidates here mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. But um, I want to create a restorative justice court, uh, its own specialty court. Um, it, it, the idea is it's not right for every case, right? And you have to have buy-in from the defendant uh, who wants to accept, you know, the role that they've taken in this, that they buy-in from a victim who has that uh, ability to have compassion and wants to heal um, with the defendant. And you have to have community buy-in as well. But, um, you know, again, this comes back to the fact that there's lots of people that just don't understand or don't trust the court. And uh, restorative justice allows um, allows the community to have a voice in how um, uh, defendants get treated in a positive way. Obviously, they're not, you don't just go in there. The idea isn't to go in there and just, you know, to a person out. It's to go in there and hopefully help the person see what kind of impact they have beyond just themselves or the victim, maybe, and, um, and try to help everybody heal, which is important to me. Again, as a victim, I just I can't stress enough um, how important it is for everybody to try to heal together. Mm. And can you, if for folks who the concept of restorative justice is is new to them, what does a process look like? <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on the scenario, I suppose. And restorative justice is, is more of a, a broad, encompassing group of ideas. But, but if we're talking about like a restorative justice court, mm-hmm. um, uh, the um, it's almost like a mediation. Mm-hmm. Um, or an intervention kind of a scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like a quick process. And we're talking about lots of steps that would have to go into it. Um, and there aren't um, there aren't that many um, restorative justice court programs that I know of that I've been able to find yet. Uh, there's some in New York and some in Chicago where I, I hope to be able to to um, get out there and shadow their their court um, to get a sense of what works and what doesn't, and uh, uh, no different than than judges from across the country have come to Oregon to, to view our our drug courts. Um, but the it's it's a slow process and it involves a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. A lot of talking. Now, what has prepared you to transition from being an attorney to being a judge? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Sure. Have, how have you prepared to for the transition from being an attorney to being a judge? Oh, um, well, for one thing, uh, trying to do as many um, actual trials as possible. Uh, it, and... Um, uh, I don't really know. <laughs> uh, I don't really know if there's a good answer for that. I mean, you can 
and talk about the different nonprofit boards I'm on. I could talk about oh, all sorts of stuff. But in the end, what it really mm-hmm. comes down to is um, um, uh, do you have experience handling the kind of cases you're going to be sitting in front of? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, do you, are you a listener? I mean, I think um, half of what being a judge is, at least the part outside of making evidentiary rulings, mm-hmm. is um, uh, listening to people. You're going to be listening to, to lawyers make arguments, and you have to be able to kind of suss out um, the important parts from the fluff. I have a, I think I have a, a good handle on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, and a willingness to, to dig further and not just take what um, two, two attorneys are trying to tell me is, is the case. Um, the, uh, one of the, um, uh, well, actually, as a judge that's retiring now, Judge Silver, uh, case that I was, um, I had in front of him where, uh, since we were making certain arguments, the state was making other certain arguments, and the judge was like, okay, I want to think about this. And came back the next day, and he'd done a, a whole bunch of his own research on a different case that pretty much resolved the issue. Um, and so you have to be able to listen, but you have to be able to, to, to take initiative to um, figure out if you're actually hearing everything that you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... As a judge, if you're if you're sitting on the bench and you see a lawyer is doing an attorney is doing an inadequate job of representing his or her client, what would you do as a judge in that situation? Um, inadequate job, huh? Well, um, I suppose it would depend on the scenario that we were in. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're in a motion hearing or the attorneys are making arguments um, to the court, the judge can ask questions to the attorneys, right? And say that mm-hmm. you, can, you can lead an attorney um, to maybe get to the issue that you feel they need to be addressing if they're not. Um, and, but you can't, you know, you can't advocate for one side or the other. But if you know that the attorney is not addressing issues that are imperative to the court making its decision, you can ask questions. Mm. Um, but if you're in trial and let's say the trial attorney is just not doing a very good job of uh, cross-examining a witness or something like that, there's not a lot a judge can do, right? Mm. Um, it's... Uh, you can't be an activist, right, on the on the bench. And um, afterwards, you can talk. I suppose you can talk to the attorney and, and give him advice and and things like that. But in the in the moment, there's sometimes there's just not a lot a judge can do. Mm. As folks are looking at their ballot, John, and and looking at their voters pamphlet and they see the candidates running for this position, what makes you stand out from the other candidates in this race? Sure. Um, 
Well, uh, you know, five of us, I know you said six, but I've only, um, there's really only been five of us that have been, like, that I've seen on, in, you know, question forums and things like that. But the one big, I guess, two big differences, um, I've noticed between myself and the other candidates, um, I think I, like, I guess I've already addressed, which is one, um, uh, that I believe in restorative justice. I want this to be, I believe that's the, the human approach and that's where the court, at least the criminal cases, needs to be heading. Um, and I haven't really heard anybody else talking about it. And then um, just um, that um, the, uh, the judges need to have compassion. Um, and um, an ability to look at things from from all different sides, mm. which uh, I know that um, at least one other candidate has been a, a prosecutor and a well, we say JAG defense attorney. Um, but um, I don't know that anybody else, at least not that I've heard, um, has the same life experience as far as being a crime victim mm. as I do. And so um, I really do have the ability to look at things from all different points of view. Mm. And, um, and those are the biggest differences. Mm-hmm. As you approach the last 10 days of this primary, how are you focusing your campaign? <laughs> um, well, you know, there's not a lot we can do right now. Um, and I came into this later than everybody else. Mm. Um, uh, I didn't even know about the, the position being open until I saw an or- the Oregonian article talking about four candidates running. Um, so by the time I really got like my feet under me, COVID had already hit. My whole plan up to that point was getting out and knocking on doors and just meeting the people. Um, I don't have a, a lot of money. And um, my practice isn't, you know, centered around making money. But um, you know, the the little bit of money I did have, I uh, put into my campaign. I'm not asking for donate. Oh, first off, judges can't ask for mm-hmm. donations. But I don't. I'm not having um, anybody um, solicit money for me right now because of they don't feel it's right during this during COVID and everything going on, people got enough issues. I need to be spending money on judge races, but um, I, you know, just getting my name out there as much as I can, asking my friends and family to spread the word about me. I did buy a little advertising time, um, but that doing and, and doing things like this, trying to get on radio programs and yeah. um, basically I'll talk to anybody who talks to me. I've led lots of People email me just randomly, email me questions, which I really enjoy because you know, if you can't get out there, how do people know about you? So I, I would welcome email questions if people want to uh, get a hold of me. Um, and that's pretty much how I'm going to spend the next 10 days. Yeah. Where's the best place for folks to go to learn more about you, John, and your, and your campaign? Oh, well, I mean, my website. Yeah, 
vote John for judge, I guess, is, is great. You can just Google me. And it's not like I, I'm, I don't have a... Um, uh, there's plenty of... And you can learn about me online and, and what I've done historically representing clients. Um, so, yeah. Okay. It's pretty easy to find out about me that way. That's great. Okay, so your your website is votejohnforjudge.com. Is that right? Yep. Okay, excellent. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us this morning and sharing a little bit of, of information about you as a candidate and a little bit more about this race. Yeah, thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Again, that's John Schlosser, candidate for Multnomah County Circuit Court Judge. If you've got your voter's pamphlet, it's he's on page 74 amongst the other candidates for this race. Big thanks to John for joining us today. You can find out more at votejohnforjudge.com. That's F-O-R, judge.com. And this interview is number 57 in our candidate interview series. You can find this and more up on xraypod.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Again, a reminder, the Oregon primary is May 19th. And if you're going to mail in that ballot, it is due in the mailbox next Thursday. So a little less than a week where you can drop it off up to 8 o'clock on May 19th.